We are just one day away from the very first games of the season. I'm going to talk about some scheduling and what actually makes the schedule difficult today. I'm also going to talk about some of my hit or miss teams and who's going to fall out of the top 10. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. I think Notre Dame got it right there. super excited my fiance and I just made the road trip from Oregon to Orlando Florida we're here with a family friend while we wait to move into Sarasota here in a couple days um, but I'm actually here in Orlando which is funny because the first game of the season or the first big game of the season Miami Florida will be played here in Orlando um, I'm actually gonna try to see if I can go to college game day on Saturday which I think is live from Disney um, so actually, let's just start there with that matchup. Um, Florida and Miami, they're playing each other. And first of all, the ticket prices for this game are outrageous. Yesterday, I went on StubHub, and like the cheapest ticket was like $300, which is pretty steep for a college football game. Um, the average tickets were going for like $700, which is it was just ridiculous. I mean, when I went to the national championship game, Florida State versus Auburn, I couldn't even scalp my extra tickets for $300. I think I sold them for like two something. The national championship game. And I understand that it's Florida and Miami and the game is being played in Florida. But I mean, Florida State and Florida play every other year in the middle of Florida when it's played in Gainesville. And I don't think tickets usually get that high. Maybe if they're both top 10 teams, which hasn't happened since 2012. But anyway, this game's important because it really will set the tone for these teams going forward in the season, um, especially Florida. Florida comes into this season now ranked in the top 10, and it's been a while since they came into a season ranked that high. Will they finish that high? That is a tough question because, you know, they play some tough teams being in the SEC East, obviously, and then this opener against Miami, the reason it's so important for them is because if they lose – you know, you, you see about two to three losses on their schedule, and that's not including the Miami game. So if they lose a Miami game, I think they're, they could be headed towards eight and four territory. Now Miami, on the other hand, needs to win the game because they don't have, at least on paper at this point, a very tough schedule after that, right? You know, they're in the, they're in the ACC Coastal, so they don't play Clemson. Uh, Virginia is supposed to be the other contender, but I mean, what can we really say about them? I think Virginia is going to be pretty good, but it's just hard saying oh, Virginia is going to be good. You know, it's just it's just a hard thing to get. This isn't the the '90s. So uh, Virginia Tech wasn't very good last year. So the Coastal, as usual, is completely up for grabs. Florida State is down. So this might be Miami's. No, this is Miami's toughest game on the schedule, at least on paper at this point. 
now Florida might end up being bad and Virginia might end up being good like that 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 uh that could switch on us but as of right now this game is very important for him for Miami and these openers always come down to preparation and coaching and that's why typically I would say Florida has an advantage here despite being on paper the more talented team uh, they have a better head coach just from the standpoint of Dan Mullen has been a head coach um at Mississippi State, obviously, he has a lot of experience where Manny Diaz has never been a head coach at the D1 level. Although I will say one thing Dan Mullen never did at Mississippi State, I'm pretty sure, is play in a kickoff game. Where Manny Diaz, while he wasn't the head coach, Miami played in a kickoff game just last year. And they got their ass kicked. So Manny Diaz knows what it's like to have a team preparing for a kickoff game against a big SEC opponent on a neutral field. And he was able to see last year probably what went wrong, and he might be able to fix that, where Dan Mullen, I don't think, has had to prepare for a season opener like this before. So that being said, I still give Florida a little bit of the coaching advantage, and they have more talented players, but I'm not here to break down the matchup necessarily. What I want to talk about is, after the game, what the implications will be. So if Miami wins the game, they really set themselves up for a good season because, like I said the most difficult team on the schedule would be behind them. So if Miami does beat Florida, we know they have the potential to go undefeated. Now, I don't think Miami's going undefeated. I don't think Florida's going undefeated either. But it's just a really interesting dynamic where if Miami loses this game, as long as they keep it sort of close, their season doesn't have to fall apart. You know, they could easily go 11-1. and after losing that game, you know, they could run through the ACC if, if they're as talented as some people think they are, right? Um, whereas Florida, on the other hand, is kind of in an Auburn position with their opener, where if Florida loses, all of a sudden they're 0-1 before any of these big SEC games have started. You know, Florida's got to play Georgia this year. Florida's got to play Missouri, which I think is going to be a pretty tough game for them. Um, Florida has to play LSU. You know, they always play LSU. So, there's potentially two, three other losses on their schedule. If they lose this Miami game, I think it's going to be really hard for Florida to finish above 8-4 and four, unless Miami is just supremely talented and Florida goes on a run. Right. So, like, my fantasy would be that Miami beats Florida and then Florida runs through the SEC and then loses to Florida State. So you'd have a 10-2 and two Florida team that only lost their out-of-conference games. That's not going to happen, but <laughs> that would be really cool for me. Um, now, going back to the specific um, matchup on the field, again, what I think is going to determine both of these teams, not only just their seasons, but this game specifically, is what happens at quarterback. So you have unproven quarterbacks on both sides. On Florida, we have Felipe Franks, who two years ago was just terrible. I mean, the idea that this guy would ever evolve into a decent college quarterback was just you didn't think that could happen. But I think a lot of people forget the idea that he was a true freshman, and there used to be a time when true freshmen were pretty bad, and then they got pretty good by the time they were a junior or senior as long as they had the right coach. So we get too caught up in these Tua Tungabailoas, these Trevor Lawrences, these true freshmen that are amazing, that we forget that you can develop quarterbacks. Um, and Dan Mullen's done a great job with Felipe Franks. He, Felipe Franks wasn't great last year by any means, but the improvement was drastic. And if he can take even a half step of that same improvement this season, I think Florida's going to be in a pretty good position. And I trust Dan Mullen to have Felipe Franks ready. Uh, Miami has the same issue, right? So it's, it's the quarterback. 
Miami would be a 10-win team last year if they had a decent quarterback. I mean, talent-wise, there's just really no debating that. The year before that, they went like 11-1 and through the regular season, or maybe they were undefeated until they got to the ACC championship game. Clemson smashed them, and then they lost the Orange Bowl, but that was a good team with a lot of talent. And the quarterback was managing well. Well, going into last year, you know, Malik Rozier, he just wasn't managing as well as he was the year before, and he really lacked talent. Well, this year, uh, Miami had Nikosi Perry, their true freshman from last year. They also had Tate Martell transfer in from Ohio State, who everyone thought was going to be the starter. But earlier in the week, Miami announces that Jaron Williams is going to be the starting quarterback. So he beat out Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry. And everyone's kind of acting weary about this. I don't know why, because we knew for a fact that Tate Martell, although he might have been overhyped, he was an upgrade from Malik Rozier and the quarterback play from last year because almost anything would be. And Tate Martell has talent. We've seen that. And Jaron Williams was a pretty highly rated recruit when he was coming out, and he redshirted last year. So if he beat out Tate Martell, it's because he's even better than him. So Miami's quarterback play is going to be better than last year. Does that mean it's going to be good enough to get them the wins they need? I don't know. But I would guarantee that their quarterback play is far more productive than it was last year and probably even the year before. And now that I've kind of you know explained how I feel about Florida and Miami, that's going to kind of lead me into my next section, which is the hit-or-miss teams of the season. Now, Miami, I don't have in there because their schedule gets pretty easy after this Florida game, but let's take Florida. Florida's ranked in the top 10, and that doesn't feel wrong, but it also doesn't really feel right. And I think the main reason for that is because once you get past Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, you really start to hit a gap where from there, like number seven down to like number 25, there's not a lot of separation. So it kind of just depends on where you want to rank them, you know? But Florida is my first hit or miss team because they're ranked in the top 10, and I could easily see them going 10-2. and two. I mean, I can see this team winning the SEC. Like, that wouldn't, like, blow me away. I don't think it's super likely, but I can see it happening. I can see Florida beating Georgia this year. I can see them getting to the SEC championship this year with, you know, two losses or less. But I also can see this team losing four or five games, and that's why they're on my hit or miss list. My hit or miss list are teams that I wouldn't be shocked if they had these great seasons, but I also wouldn't be at all surprised if they had, you know, mediocre seasons. And a lot of that is due to scheduling, which I'll get into later. But yeah, Florida, like I said, they lose this Miami game. Well, unless Miami is really, really good, then it's going to look like Florida's probably going to lose that LSU game, definitely going to lose that Georgia game. And I'm telling you, that Missouri game is going to be a tough game for Florida, one where it's located as far as where it is on the schedule, it's kind of a sandwich game. It could be a trap game, too. Missouri is a very underrated team this year. They bring back a good amount of talent. And if you look at their schedule, Missouri could maybe go 11-1. and one. I mean, let's not, let's not say that that's my claim, but I don't think I'd be too shocked. But getting back to Florida, they're, they have a tough schedule. So, like I said, it's all going to be about Felipe Franks. Florida has the talent to play with everyone on their schedule but they have been lacking significant talent at the quarterback position. If, Like I said earlier, if Felipe Franks just takes one small step forward, this Florida team will be scary. They will be scary. Now, their offensive line is concerning to me. They did lose, I think, four out of five starters. But they, unlike Florida State, 
they have been recruiting players. So, right, like all teams are supposed to do. So I think they'll be okay. And if Felipe Franks makes any improvements, I think that will make up for any other drops that the team experiences. Maybe the defense is a little less productive, or like I said, the offensive line goes down a little bit. I think if Felipe Franks can take forward steps, that will completely diminish those concerns. So Florida is just another classic example of what's the quarterback play going to be like. Good quarterback play, and they will be very good. I can see them knocking on the door at the playoff, SEC championships, all those things. If Felipe Franks regresses by any means, then they're going to be in big trouble. So Florida is that first team that I is on my hit or miss list. The next team I'll go to on my hit or miss list is Texas A&M. Now, Texas A&M, I know has talent. I know has great coaching. But this schedule is just ridiculous. I mean, you have to go back 40 years to find out the last time that a team had to play the top three um, preseason ranked teams going into the season. So Texas A&M has to play Clemson, who's number one. They have to play Alabama, who's number two. And they also have to play Georgia, who's number three. I mean, this is just ridiculous <laughs> scheduling, not to mention they play Auburn, a great team, and the rest of the SEC gauntlet. I mean, Texas A&M has 11-1 talent and coaching, but they could go 7-5, and five, and it wouldn't even be surprising. That being said, I don't think it'd be surprising if they knock off two out of the three teams that they play ranked in the top three. Uh, Texas A&M beating Clemson doesn't surprise me. Jimbo Fisher knows Clemson. He knows Dabo. Go back to the Florida State-Clemson matchups. There was a point of time where he had their number. Then as Clemson got a little more talented and Florida State lost some talent, you know, post-Jameis Winston, Clemson was beating Florida State, but all those games were close. It wasn't until last year, Willie Taggart's first year, that Clemson blew out Florida State, you know, once Jimbo left. Even Jimbo's last year when Florida State was really struggling, they still managed to keep it close in that Clemson game. So Jimbo knows Clemson. I would not be surprised if they can go there and beat Clemson. Um, Alabama is going to be tougher just because of the Nick Saban thing, but I wouldn't be absolutely stunned if they pulled that game out. And Georgia, I think they have just as good of a chance to beat Georgia as, as anyone. I, I, I would take Texas A&M to beat Georgia over Florida right now, I'll tell you that. So this is going to be one of those things where if Texas A&M can beat Clemson or at least plays a close game like they did last year, that momentum will carry over. But what they can't do is lose one of these games early in a blowout fashion because that ruins confidence. And then with the tough schedule they have going forward, you could, just, you could see the season falling apart. Um, but you could also see them having a great season. Right? It's just the schedule. It's daunting. Now, same thing can be said about my next hit or miss team, Auburn. People are praising certain parts about Auburn. Apparently, Auburn has the best defensive line going into the country. I don't think they're far and away the best defensive line, but they're definitely one of the top five defensive lines. But just like Texas A&M, they play a ridiculous schedule. Just out of the SEC, you know, they, they're playing Texas A&M. They're playing Alabama. They play Georgia every year. I mean, that's ridiculous. They have the rest of the SEC West gauntlet, you know, LSU, Mississippi State, all these teams, and they open up with Oregon, who is, by most people's account, the Pac-12 favorite. You know, they have the best quarterback in the country, a guy that would have been the number one pick had he come out last year in Justin Herbert. So this that game, and I'm going to break that down more, more next week's podcast, but that game is so big for Auburn. It's big for Oregon, but... 
if Auburn loses that Oregon game, you're immediately going to have talks of firing Gus Malzahn. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be put in a situation like 2016 where their next big game, they either win it or they fire Gus, which I think is stupid, but that's what it's, it's going to be. So Auburn has talent. They have decent coaching. And you could see them going maybe for 10 wins, you know, because they do have that talent. But you could also see them going 7-5 and five because of this schedule, especially if some stuff happens with early in the year where they're losing, that they do fire Gus Malzahn before the season ends. I mean, then the team chemistry's shot. Everything would just go downhill from there. But they're also the type of team, if they can have a good season, if they can go into that Iron Bowl with two losses or less, then I think they have just as good a shot as any year they've had to beat Bama again. So... Most of these hit-or-miss teams are coming out of the SEC, but it's, it's, just, it's weird typically going into a season to have teams where you're like, look, this team could go 7-5, and five, or they could go 10-2 and two and anything in between there, and you really can't make a solid guess. And, and for most of it, it's the schedule. My next hit-or-miss team, it's not really about schedule, it's just all these question marks, and that's Florida State. Um, so Florida State went 5-7 and seven last year. That's my team. That's who I root for, so that was pretty devastating. And I don't have much faith coming into this season, but for some reason, a lot of people around the country do. Now, when you listen to Florida State podcasts and shows like I do all the time, the local community is very skeptical. You know, they're worried about the season. But when you turn on other podcasts and and other shows and they're just breaking down the ACC, doing their ACC preview, obviously it all starts with Clemson because they're the far and away the best team. And they'll probably be favored by like 16, 17 points in all their matchups. But when people say, oh, who might be able to beat Clemson this year? You always obviously Texas A&M, but then you'll hear words like Florida State. And I'm thinking, like, how are we anywhere near that based off of last year? But we do have four- and five-star talent all over the field at the skill position players. It's just that last year the offensive line was so bad that it literally didn't matter who was at quarterback, who was at skill position. I mean, no running back, no quarterback was going to be able to get behind that offensive line and be productive. So assuming the offensive line improves a little bit and they brought in Kendall Bryles to help run the offense because, again, one of the other problems last year was just the dysfunction. The team was disorganized. Willie Taggart didn't have enough time to put together a talented staff, so they just struggled and went 5-7. and seven. Some people think Florida State could win nine games this year, and I guess looking at the schedule, it wouldn't be surprising. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked. But again, I could see them going 5-7 and seven again. I mean, if the offensive line hasn't improved, the team will not win more games. I mean, that's just how it's going to work for Florida State. If this offensive line can just get too bad, that, that would improve the team by a lot. So it all goes back to this offensive line. If the coaching's improved, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Because Florida State doesn't have a, a crazy schedule like they did last year. I mean, they got to play Clemson. You know, they got to play Florida, obviously, Miami. Um, Virginia on the road. They open up with Boise State. But based on the talent that's there at some positions and not there at some positions, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State beats Boise State. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Boise State beats Florida State. It's They're one of the biggest question mark teams going into the season, and it's kind of funny that they happen to be the team I root for, so I'll be paying very close attention. But I really don't know how they're going to do. And as a fan, that's really exciting. Going into a season where you really don't know what's going to happen, but you have a lot of hype coming off last season. You know, that's just fun. That, that's what college football is supposed to be about. And, and just like I was saying for Florida, 
Um, Florida State plays two games early out of their first three. The, the opener against Boise State, and then they're at Virginia. If they don't, at the very least, split those two games, then they're going to have a disastrous season. If they lose both of those games and their season is over in September for like the third, fourth year in a row, Taggart's getting fired, they're going to go 5-7 and seven again, and it's over. If they can at least split those games or if they go 2-0 and oh in those games, now we're talking about momentum shifting, confidence building, and you could easily see this team winning nine games. I don't think there's any way they beat Clemson on the road. I don't know if we can beat Miami because their defensive line is really good, and we probably can't beat Florida, But which sucks because those are the three teams Florida State fans would like to beat the most. But a 9-3 and three season where we lose to those teams, and it's fairly competitive, that would be a great season based on what, where we're trying to get to after last year. And now I want to segue into my final thing. Like I said, this is going to be a shorter podcast. Um, it's early in the morning. I, I'm sorry if the audio is not good, but... I want to talk about scheduling and difficulty of schedule. Now, the SEC, as usual, um, is claiming that all their teams have this terrible hard schedule. And like, and for some of them, that's true. Texas A&M and Auburn have ridiculously tough, daunting schedules based on the teams they play. But uh, Alabama doesn't. Okay, yes, Alabama plays in the SEC, and, and they play some tough games, some top five teams, but they play three non-Power 5 teams and Duke. I mean, that's a pretty easy... I mean, let's look at their... They open up with Duke, then they have some Patsy. Then they're at South Carolina, then another Patsy. Then Ole Miss. Okay. Then at A&M. Okay, that's a tough game. Then followed by Tennessee and Arkansas. That, that's a little tough. Then LSU and at Mississippi State. So that stretch right there is, is pretty tough. I'm not saying Alabama has an easy schedule by any means. Um, then they play another Patsy before the Auburn game. What I'm saying is that Alabama's done a great job, and I don't fault them for this at all, but they've done a great job at setting up their – where they usually don't have to play really tough games back-to-back, back, right? They, they've done a good job at, at getting rid of that. So they always have a bye week typically before LSU. They almost always play a Patsy before the Iron Bowl. And by Patsy, I mean like an FCS team or group of five team, a team that they're just guaranteed to beat, right? But as it stands right now, um, Alabama's schedule is considered to be tougher than Notre Dame's. And I, that I have a huge problem with. Every year, Notre Dame plays 12 Division One football teams now sometimes they'll play one group of five school this year they actually play two but typically they play just one and it's usually like navy or somebody and then they play 12 games against power five teams no other team does that like i said alabama has four wins penciled into their schedule Notre dame does not at least from the standpoint of oh that's an fcs school that's that's a terrible school i mean they play louisville i mean that's a that's a penciled win because louisville's terrible but louisville's still a division one ACC Power 5 football program. Um, Notre Dame has to go at Georgia. Then turn around very next week, Virginia's coming to town. Uh, They have to play USC, who will probably be better. They're at Michigan in October. They play Virginia Tech. You know, then they're at Stanford to end the season. And the most scary thing is, is I think it's Notre Dame plays like five or six teams that will have a bye week going into that game against them. That is 
really tough. I think a lot of people don't understand the advantage of a bye week. When you play an opponent that has a bye week and you don't have a bye week going into that game, that basically means that they've spent two weeks preparing for you and you've spent one. You're at a disadvantage right there. Okay, that can make up for talent deficiencies. That, I mean, that's a big deal. And Notre Dame has to do that five or six times this year. And sometimes those are against big, big teams. I think Michigan's one of those teams. I think Stanford's one of those teams. These teams are going to get two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's only going to have the one week to get ready for them. That is tough. Notre Dame, every year, in my opinion, plays the toughest schedule. Just based on the fact that they never get a break. Breaks are huge in college football. Alabama might play three teams ranked in the top five, and Notre Dame might not play any. But the grind of going through a 12-game schedule against all Division I teams, that's just very, very tough. No other team does that. No other team does that. Every team that finishes 6-6 six and six would finish 4-8 and eight if they had to do that. So respect what Notre Dame does and respect the, the aggressive scheduling that they do. And just understand that, at least in my opinion, the strength of schedule does not solely lie on, well, how many really good teams do you play? If I had the choice to play three teams that are preseason top five, randomly in my schedule with all mediocre games in between or 12 games against all division one teams i would pick the schedule with the three tough games because i can coast through the season and get my troops ready for those three huge battles where if i just have a 12 game schedule of all decently tough battles most likely we're gonna drop a game we're not supposed to i mean it's just a tough Task. I guess I'm not necessarily saying that when it comes to like Alabama and Notre Dame this season that one of them has a significantly harder schedule than the other. But the idea that Alabama has a significantly tougher schedule than Notre Dame, which is what a lot of people are saying and thinking, that just makes no sense to me. Now, Texas A&M and Auburn, yes, they definitely have tougher schedules than Notre Dame, not even close. But that's because they – these are some of the toughest schedules I've seen in years. South Carolina, same thing with them. They should be thrown in that mix. They also play – Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama, which is just ridiculous. I mean, South Carolina could go five and seven, but they have eight and four talent. You know, so these schedules are just getting out of control for a couple of these SEC teams. Now, of those three teams I mentioned, A&M, Auburn, and South Carolina, they all have ridiculous schedules. One of those teams will probably have a losing record because of the schedule. One of those teams will probably just finish a little over 500 because they couldn't get over the schedule. And one team will probably rise above and match up to the schedule and, and play well. I think that team is Texas A&M. And mostly because of coaching. Jimbo Fisher, outside of Nick Saban, I think is hands down the best coach in the, in the SEC. And I know Florida fans and Georgia fans are like, what, what, what? Well... Jimbo Fisher is way more proven than Kirby Smart is, okay? Jimbo Fisher has taken a big-time program, brought them to prominence, won a national championship, won 29 straight games, done all these things, and now he's in the middle of doing that with another program. All Kirby Smart has done is said, hey, I can recruit a bunch of awesome guys and make my team look like an Alabama team until we play Alabama, then we'll choke. So, yes, as of right now, Jimbo Fisher is the second best coach in the SEC. It's not even close in my opinion. And I think Dan Mullen is even would be ahead of Kirby Smart as of right now just because he's run a program for 
years where Kirby Smart has only been a head coach for since 2016. And I'm not bashing Kirby Smart by any means. I, I think he's a great coach. Um, I'm just saying that there are some other really great coaches that as of right now have proven more than he has. So that's why I think Texas A&M has the best shot outside of Alabama to probably win the West. But again, that schedule is just ridiculous. So even if A&M knocks off a Bama and beats an LSU, there's still a realistic chance they have two or three losses, you know? So I don't know. that The SEC could cannibalize itself this year, right? That That's tough. What if Alabama drops a game and then goes in the SEC championship game with the chance to lose again? You know, that... that there could be a little dicey scenario going on there with the SEC. I, I don't think that'll happen, but anyway, I, I'm going to get off because it's early. I'm really tired. I just drove 3,000 miles in about 65 hours, so I'm exhausted. Uh, I really wanted to just get this out to have something out before the official start of the season. I'll do one next week, um, but yeah, everyone enjoy uh, the, the weekend. I hope everyone tunes into that Florida-Miami game. And I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>